Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. You ready to jump into another parable? Let me remind you that these parables are all intended to be heard as calls to respond to Jesus and his mission. The parable we'll look at today is particularly helpful to people living at the radical center of God's will because Jesus gives us a spiritual gauge for knowing how effective God's word is in our own life, as well as to understand the impact that his word is having on others. Our mission is to glorify God by helping others move from lost to found and from found to fully formed in Christ. Now, to that end, every microchurch has three key components, which are worship, community, mission. Mission will be the thing that really differentiates one group from the other. Our life becomes about the mission God has called us to. Our job is to be obedient to God's calling. We follow, He leads, we stay connected, and he brings results. So let's do this. We're going to be in Matthew 13, beginning verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And that was it. There's no real explanation. In fact, Jesus never explained most of his parables. I didn't know if you knew that. Jesus told these short, short stories to help people know and discover a spiritual reality and truth. The point was to make us think in new ways. So his disciples asked, what do you mean by sowing the seed story? And I imagine one of them thinking, I have ears? And I still don't get it. So when they're with Jesus, they ask him about it. And now Jesus explains. We jump down to verse 18. And Jesus said, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the point of sowing seed is to produce a crop, period. What's the principle of the parable? It's this. The seed is the word of God. Our job is to spread the seed. God's job is to get results. But here's the problem. Why does God's word seem to be ineffective or at least inconsistent on the results? 
Same seed, different results. See, the problem isn't a seed problem, it's a soil problem. It's not the seed, stupid, it's the soil. We need to be spreading seed where we live. The mission of the microchurch is to glorify God by helping people move from lost to found and from found to fully formed in Christ. Now, as you share God's word with those to whom God has called you, realize that the success or failure of preaching is partly dependent on the character and conduct of the people who hear. Don't expect uniform results. Results are gonna range from failure to full-on harvest, so don't be discouraged. As followers of Christ who are living at the radical center, we are sowing seed and others are responding. Don't ever get discouraged. Just keep sowing that seed. Now, as followers of Christ, we're sowers, but we are also those receiving the seed. We're responding to the seed being sown in our life. Everybody is one of these types of soil, hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, good ground. Which of these four grounds are you? It really speaks to the condition of your heart. So listen carefully, because this is key. The effect of truth in my life is determined in great part by the condition of my heart. In other words, how I respond depends on how I receive, and that's true for everybody. If you really want to know truth, you can know it and it will change your life and make it effective and productive for good. That's the promise of Jesus. So let's take a closer look at the four types of soils or responses to the scripture. As we move through these, try to identify which of the four you most identify with, all right? So the first type of soil Jesus said, it's the hard ground. Now, this is somebody who hears the word of God, but doesn't believe it. They just don't believe the word of God. Why? Because they just don't believe it. They don't allow God's word to penetrate their heart and their mind. This person has a, what's called a calloused heart that's just resistant to God's ways because they're just set in their own ways. They're not bad people. They just don't believe God. Hardening the heart is a choice, though, that we make over time. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, the writer said, As it has been said before today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He said that because obedience is a choice. We've got to guard the influences in our life. Now, if I take a $100 bill and I set it on a table or right here in my hand, nothing's going to happen because it just sat on, in my hand. But if it were invested into your 401k or even deposited into a bank, it could earn interest, right? Not much, <laughs> but you get the point. Money sitting on the table or in my hand and money deposited in the bank is going to get you two different results. The money sitting on my hand or the table would eventually get carried away by a bird. The money deposited in a bank would yield a return. Now, Jesus said the devil carries the word away. The word of God doesn't penetrate the heart. It just sits there like seed on top of the heart because the soil is hard. If you've noticed a dull indifference toward God's word, that could be an indication of the hardening of your heart. So what makes a heart hard? Sometimes our hearts can be made hard by lifeless formalities and meaningless rituals. And honestly, sometimes we've just been in church so long that we forget about Jesus. We know when to stand and sit. We know the programs and the prayers, but we don't know Jesus. We may know the Bible, just not the God of the Bible. And sometimes our hearts are hardened by our stubbornness and indifference. You know, one of the reasons Christ 
followers meet together is to encourage one another, which keeps our hearts healthy. You may know Hebrews 3.13. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's important. But why would someone not respond to God's invitation? Now, there's lots of excuses that I've heard. I've also used one or two of these before. But we say things like, I've always been this way. I wasn't raised to believe that. I just wouldn't fit in. I'm just too busy right now. I've got my own way of looking at things. You know, maybe sometimes people are just embarrassed by God's word or by Jesus or his followers. I've heard that. In the end, all the excuses, though, are simply attempts to try to remove blame from ourselves. Listen, you know your heart resembles the hard ground when you hear God's word, but you do not believe it, and so you're just inattentive. The end result, nothing grows. The second type of soil, Jesus said, is the rocky ground. Now, this is someone who hears God's word and believes it, but when they're tested, they fall away. They just don't last. They're not, they're not gonna ever be in it for the long haul. Now, they're great to have at the beginning because they're excited, but they will be excited about something else pretty soon. Jesus calls this rocky soil because God's word can't take root because there's no thoughtfulness or prayer. This person is just superficial. All talk, no walk. These people can talk about it, but need to be about it. It's what the Bible calls dead faith. You may look the part, and for the person with a rocky heart, it's all about looking the part. But after the show, they'll change and they'll play a different part. And Jesus knew it was necessary to sift his disciples, separating those who are sincere from those that are superficial and indifferent, which is one huge reason he told parables. Matthew said, remember, he said, people flocked to Jesus. I was once going to introduce some new members uh, at the church, and one guy said that he couldn't make the lunch that day because he had an appointment. And then I got a note that said, quote, I made a mistake. The Rams are playing out of town that day. I can be there after all, end quote. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying football. That's good. That's really good news for some of you. But if on the one hand, we get excited at the prospect of God using us to help people move from lost to found and from found to fully formed in Christ, and then on the other hand, hand him our calendar and say, but it, honestly, it needs to fit in my schedule, then it's probably not gonna last. They have a superficial heart. So God's word just lays on top because rocks stop it from growing roots. God's word is received with joy, but there's, there's no roots, so when they're tested, they just fall away. Very superficial. Now, superficial just means that something happens at or just below the surface. There's no depth, nothing behind the facade. Looks like something, but it's nothing. Looks real, but it's fake. So Jesus warns us that there will be people that give a superficial reason to Jesus. Rocks form out of things like uncertainty about God's word, unresolved sin, a lack of prayer and thoughtfulness, the result is superficial repentance, superficial commitment. And if we're not careful, church becomes a hiding place for people whose lives are cluttered by rocks. Their level of commitment isn't deep, and at the first sign of opposition, these people will fold. 
Now, plants need sun to grow, but sunlight can also kill the plant that lacks roots. In the same way, hardship strengthens real faith, but destroys counterfeit faith. Now, you know your heart resembles rocky ground when you hear God's word, you believe it, and you listen with great delight. Your emotions are engaged, but you spend little or no time in thoughtfulness and prayer. Now, the result of remaining here is that when what you believe is tested, you will quickly fall away. The third type of soil, Jesus said, is the thorny ground. You know your heart resembles thorny ground because when you hear God's word, you believe it, but you pray little and you have little time for meaningful thought, so the root of conviction doesn't really go down deep enough to become resolute consecration. Your time, thought, energy are all absorbed by other things. And so the result is that your unfed and unsustained spiritual life suffers, and it's in danger of dying. Now, everybody knows how easy it is for weeds to take over your lawn or garden, right? They grow without any effort. The same is true for things that absorb our time and attention. Jesus used the phrase, choked by, you see, the weeds do not kill the plant outright. They choke it slowly. I want to say that again. The weeds don't necessarily kill the plant. They just choke it and they make it unfruitful. This person isn't indifferent, you see. They care. They just have constant competition between the spiritual and the worldly. So here's a question. Are you preoccupied or distracted by many things? You may need to do some weeding. Just pull some weeds. Don't just mow your life, weed it. But when you do, make sure that you get the roots out of the ground as well. Sometimes it's even beneficial to weed activities, possessions, beliefs, and even relationships. Weed out what you don't want, and if you grow a healthy lawn, there's no room for weeds to grow. I went once to the nursery, true story, to ask how to get rid of my, the weeds in my lawn. And the guy looked at me, he was not happy. And all he said was in a grumpy voice, you should feed your grass. The healthier your lawn, the less room there is for weeds. And I thanked him and left. But he was right. The question is, how is the word of God stopped from producing a harvest? You see, these things are not evil in and of themselves. What happens is, they're just choked by, Matthew says, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, just the desire for other things. You have pleasures that seep in. You just think about Judas and Peter. Both of those men spent time with Jesus. Both were disobedient. Both could have repented, but Judas didn't guard his heart. In fact, we know that Judas Iscariot used to steal money from the disciples' money purse. You see, a heart that's divided wrestles between what's urgent versus what's vital and important. Our energy and time are divided. Our loyalty is divided when it's thorny soil. But discipleship to Christ requires wholehearted loyalty to Him. The disciples warned not to allow anything else to take priority over hearing and practicing the words of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, teach them to observe everything that I have commanded. All right, the fourth type of soil, Jesus said, it's the good ground. Now, we like this one. In fact, this is the one it's easy to assume that everybody has. 
So how do we know if our heart is good? Well, you know your heart resembles good ground when you hear God's word, you believe it, you retain it, and you persevere in it. The end result is that it produces a crop. The fact that it produces a crop makes it different from the others and, frankly, most desirable. There really are only two results, though. There's the productive soil and the unproductive soil. It may be that we are a mixture of one or more of these soils, but good soil is just that. It's good. Good soil is good because we broke up the hard ground and threw out the rocks and pulled the weeds. That's what makes it good soil. It's not good soil because there were never rocks or weeds. It's good soil because the hard work was put in and the rocks were dug out and the weeds were pulled. I call this dynamic faith. Dynamic faith is where faith and works intersect. True faith is shown by action. I would tell you to be willing to act on your faith even when it's hard. Why? Because we want a productive faith. We want results. Faith is proven by how we live life. Even Jesus didn't get great results every time because some people did not believe him. Does it mean that Jesus was a failure in his preaching? No. The seed is the word of God and the field is each human being. Whether or not the seed grew had less to do with the sower or the seed. It had everything in the world to do with the condition of the soil, which is that heart of the one who receives the word. See, God's word is powerful. God's word believed is transformational. God's word grows when we accept it and obey it. Recently, a young couple came to me. I know them from business and they said they wanted to visit with me. It ends up that they believe that there's, there's gotta be something more in this world. They were raised Catholics, they said, and when they graduated from high school, they also graduated from church. Now, at the ages of 36 and 31, they're pursuing spiritual truth and not just business success. So the first step was for them to get a copy of the Bible, I said, and I recommended they get the NIV Study Bible. We got online right then and there. They picked a copy and they, they bought two copies. And, and the husband leaned over and he said, so how much uh, is one of those copies? And she said, well, it's 26 bucks. And he smiled and he said, I think my soul is worth 26 bucks. What a great line. I wonder what you think about the value of your soul. You know, we can sometimes make things, including our microchurch, about perfection rather than purpose. We've got to focus on purpose, on mission. When it's about purpose, then we're talking about how to equip people. And we ask questions like, how are we going to equip people? Ephesians 4.12 talks about preparing God's people for works of service. We're creating a network of microchurches that are finding teaching and equipping people to be on mission. We are a resource center that people can choose to be a part of. So what are our next steps? Well, how are you doing spiritually? You know, based on the condition of your heart, you may be wondering, what do I do? What action steps should I take? Also, what should my attitude be as I teach others? Well, regardless where you saw yourself, remember, remember the effect of truth in a person's life is determined in great part by the condition of their heart. How we respond to truth depends on how we receive truth. Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. And that's true for everybody. 
If you really want to know truth, you can know it and it will change your life and make it effective and productive for good. So do these things first. Read your Bible. If you don't read it, you're certainly in no danger of it ever changing you. And second, put into practice what you know. Listen, don't worry about what you don't know. When we control what we can control, it's called following. Hearing God's Word is not enough. Enjoying God's Word is not enough. Loving God's Word is not enough. Obedience is required. There's power in obedience. And third, trust the process of sowing and reaping. Trust the process in your life and trust the process in the lives of others as well. And keep sowing seed. Don't stop. Don't conserve the seed. Spread it. Keep loving people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the calling you have on our life. Thank you for, for, for loving us enough to entrust us with your mission. Father, I pray that you will be glorified in all that we do. We trust you with the results in the lives of others and also with the results of your word in our own life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.